Guten Morgen. <laughs> Good morning. We just sang a song um, that I want to make relevant to my presentation, and that is the last part, yet not I, but Christ in me. What you're going to see is n not what we've done. We're just really very simple folks um, that just decided, Lord, we want to give you our lives, and we feel that God is calling us somewhere else. And we've never regretted it. We've had a blast in Germany. It's been wonderful, and I hope that you can be inspired wherever you are to say, Lord, here am I, send me. The second thing I want to kind of preface my remarks this morning is, like uh, Brother Neil shared, you've been with us the whole time. Uh, we knew from Lynchburg, uh, Dave Hirschman. I don't know if any folks are here that remember Dave, but yep. He was in our church, and through the messages and the working of God in our church, God moved in his heart to come back up here, come back to his home area to, to plant a church, and you know what's happened since then. If you don't, you need to find out the history of the church. But you've been with us, I think, from the very beginning, and so this is your work. It's, we could not have done what we have done without God's help, but without the help of God's people to support us, to pray for us, and so we want to encourage you uh, by showing you what, what has happened. So if we could have the first slide, uh, and we've been in, in Germany since 1984. Um, yeah, we went, that was a long time ago. We were a lot younger back then. But, you know, we've been there for 37 years and we're still kids. You get that? Oh, was that bad? Was that bad? I've never tried it before. Maybe I shouldn't try that again. Okay, next slide, please. I, how many have ever been to Germany? Well, not too many. There's a lot of churches in Germany, but they're big and usually empty on Sunday morning. Usually would have more people for an organ concert on Saturday night than for worship service on Sunday morning. And a lot of the folks that would be there on Sunday morning would not have a pastor that would preach the gospel. Even conservative German Christians estimate that only about 2% of the people are born-again believers. Um, and that's not very many. You sense the spiritual darkness if you really look in people's faces walking around. Next slide. We were in a town called Mannheim, about 320,000 people. And uh, when we got to Mannheim in 1984, I could ask you, uh, there's only, what do you think? How many Baptist churches do you think were there in Mannheim in 1984? One. Now there are three, and I'm going to tell you about these other two. There were other churches, I'm not saying the only ones that would preach the gospel would be Baptist, but there were other churches, maybe 10 groups, but in Germany, it's often the case that a typical church would be about 30 to 50 people. A church larger than 100 is really a pretty large church in Germany, and so if you multiply 10 times, let's say 50, and there would be some believers in, in some of the state churches, either Catholic or Lutheran, but I'm not sure we would come up with 2% believers in Mannheim. Next slide. We started our first church in our living room. It's really a neat thing to start a church in your home. Uh, all of the rooms in the house used for Sunday school, for nursery, for everything. But we outgrew that as the Lord had it. The next slide. We were able then to yeah, purchase this facility after a lot of years. And uh, this is our what we call our mother church. I'll explain what that means in a moment. Um, 35 years old now, 
we put a German, we're able to pass the leadership on to a German pastor in 2012. That was about 10 years ago, and now another man is leading with a leadership team, and we're just very thankful. We just came back from Germany. We were in Germany in January and February to visit our family. We still have two children in Europe, four grandchildren, and the two churches. Um, next slide. Our first daughter church, that means we sent out a team from the mother church to another city to kind of form a beachhead to start another church. We started another church in Neulusheim in 1994. And the next slide shows our second daughter church where we were working in the end of our time in Germany in the northern part of Mannheim, which is kind of a needy area with a lot of dysfunctional families and a lot of, um, a lot of needs up there. That was started in 2006. And this picture is a little bit older with, with COVID and all. It was, it's very difficult to get things real accurate and, and all. But um, this was our, our second uh, daughter church that we worked with at the end of our time. Next slide shows, our, I don't want to just talk about churches and buildings and all. I want to talk about people, personal stories. And the, the top family, the top couple, were neighbors of ours. And through a wonderful series of events where our youngest son was able to accompany their oldest son to the bus stop or the train, the tram stop to take him to school because it was often dark and he was young. We kind of were able to develop a little bit of trust to them, to that family. And one day my wife noticed as the mother was walking down the street, the lady on the top left, um, that she was very sad. And it was obviously discouraged. And so Lindy ran out and said, can I help you? Can we talk? And we'd never really had them in our home before. So that began a relationship to them. And we invited them over a little bit later on and, and we kind of felt, where are they spiritually? And, and the husband said, top right, uh, well, I'm a Christian Buddhist. So I thought, well, okay, well now we know. It's good to work on this a little bit. Uh, later on, um, he works for Mercedes uh, building buses and, you know, working with his hands, kind of an engineering type thing, and I asked him where he was a little bit later, and he said, I'll use the bridge illustration. I hope you all know the bridge illustration of sharing the gospel. Um, and he said, no, I'm not on the bridge, and I'm not real close to the bridge. I'm under the bridge looking to see if the bridge is going to hold me up. I thought, you know, if that's your attitude, and you're examining Christ to see if he's going to hold you, that's good. She said, well, I want to read the whole Bible before I commit my life to God. Didn't take that long. Uh, they've become believers, and it's just a joy. We still have conversations with them. And uh, the bottom couple, they, even as unbelievers, were working with some of these children in the northern part of Mannheim who were coming from dysfunctional families because the husband on the lower left, lower right, excuse me, <laughs> um, he came from a dysfunctional family, and he had a heart for these children. And so we offered them our facilities as a church that they could work with these children in our church building. And so that was the start of a relationship to them. And some of our people would help them and work with them, and, and we were building over years a relationship of trust to them. They were not able to have children, and they had applied for foster children. When they got news that they were going to be able to get a foster child, we were really, I don't know why, but we were the, one of the first ones they came to to report that when they said, we, we, we're going to get a, a child. And at that point, they said, we would like to dedicate our child to God. Now, as unbelievers, 
They wanted to do that. And so my wife, clever wife, said, you know, wouldn't it be a good idea if you want to dedicate your child to God for you to know a little bit more about what it means to be a Christian? So we started a Bible study with them in their home and just the basics of the Christian faith, talking about who God is, why we can trust the Bible, what's sin, who's Jesus. And, and about the fourth or the fifth night, it led very clearly up to our gospel presentation. And so I just asked them that night, I said, would you be ready to commit your life to this God who sent his son to die for your sins that you might be forgiven and be saved? She said, lay on the bottom left, Rod, I wanted to do that last time, but you didn't give me a chance. <laughs> Usually in Germany, it takes people a long time to understand the gospel, and it, it, so I would, anyway, and I'd rather be sure than be premature. So she got saved that night. He said, I need a little more time. It was about a year and a half, a year and a half later, he came to know the Lord and just noticed the smile on that guy's face on the lower right. It's just such a joy to see people following Jesus and moving on with Jesus. He sings in the music team. She teaches Sunday school in the daughter church. Next slide, please. Another very, yeah, back one, that was two, I think. Well, maybe not, okay. This is our car mechanic, this guy here. Through uh, also a, just a terrific series of events, we got to know them much better and started Bible studies with them. We read in the Bible for seven to eight years before they got saved. But they've become believers now and uh, talked with them just yesterday. They're coming to visit us in April. And uh, it's just a joy to see their, their hunger and their openness for the things of God. Uh, and just to see God working in their lives. Personal relationships, patience, spending time together. We would just, we would go on bike rides together. We would walk and take walks together. We would eat, we ate. We ate and ate and ate a lot of meals together. And through these times, it worked into Bible studies and, and sharing, we would eat together and then eat from the Word of God together and just have the joy of sharing more and more with them. And we were able to have the patience with them because we could see the difference in their questions. At first, their questions were very skeptical and very negative and, and, and just really off the wall, but they, they became more and more informational questions and more and more questions, how can this work for me and what does this mean for me? And now, these people are some of our best friends and I want to encourage you to do that very thing. They call Jesus the friend of tax collectors and sinners. I read that this morning in my quiet time. And I want to ask you, and we'll get to that in a moment through the Word of God. Do you have a friend that you spend time with that is not a believer, and you're praying that God could use you to help that person come to know Jesus? It takes time. It takes a relationship of trust. It takes doing things together, spending time together, and, and just doing things you normally do. I know we're all busy, but we all eat, right? And maybe whatever your hobby is. I played tennis. I'd love to play with your pastor, but I don't think I'd have a chance against him. But if you take walks, if you, whatever you do, do it with somebody. It's a lot easier to do it with a believer. It's a lot more convenient. But we have to leave our comfort zone and say, I want to use my life to help let God shine the light of Jesus through me. And if it's real, and if God gets working in their hearts through the Word of God and through the Holy Spirit, it might take a long time. 
But what a joy it is to see one of your friends come to know your best friend, Jesus. Next slide, please. This is not English and this is not German. Uh, we were able to accompany a, a, a family from Iran. They came to Germany on vacation. Her mother lived in, in, in Cologne in Germany and they just came on to Germany on vacation to visit her. Well, while they were there, they had been having, she was a believer in Iran. He was not, the husband was not. I don't have their picture on there for security reasons. Um, but she had allowed a, a small Christian meeting to be meeting in her home in Iran, in Tehran. Well, while they were in Germany, the secret police found out about this meeting, broke into their home, closed their bank account, closed their apartment, interviewed and maybe imprisoned some of the people in the meeting that day. And some of the people that were in the meeting that day called them or talked to them later on and said, listen, you can't come back. And so here they were on vacation. It was just a little bit of a suitcase. Can't go back home. So they applied then for refugee status in Germany. And as the Lord had it, she was able to get in touch with a, a pastor, a believing pastor in Cologne where they were visiting her mother. And they found out where she was going to be sent. So they were going to be sent to the Mannheim-Heidelberg area where our churches are. And so he then, the pastor then started looking for it. I mean, just in the internet, just to show you the sovereignty of God working to save sinners. He just started looking in the internet to find a church. Well, lo and behold, the world would say, out of coincidence, he found what we call the mother church. In the mother church, a few years ago, one of the men in our church had been working with an Iranian doctor in a pharmaceutical company in Mannheim, and this doctor came to know Jesus. And this doctor was sitting in the worship services speaking perfect Persian, perfect German, and he could translate for them when they got to the services. Isn't that terrific? Do you see God at work? And so for a year and a half, this man, who was not a believer, was sitting in the services with his wife. He didn't come every Sunday, but about every other Sunday. And he was able to see the practical love of God doing what we heard this morning and being exhorted for us to do. Or the people of the church help them find an apartment, help them get a washing machine, help them get furniture, help them to get rugs, help them to get their permits. Help. Just the love of God, concrete, to show them we care about you. Hearing the word of God through the translation, but he still wasn't a believer. So they came to their court case where they were coming before the judge in Germany, whether they could stay in Germany and be accepted as refugees or not. And nobody from the leadership team of the church could go, so we, we were able to go with them. And so we had them over for dinner and got to know them a little bit and accompanied them to their court case. They had to wait about two weeks, and they got news they were accepted. They wanted to have us for dinner to rejoice. We've been accepted in Germany that has refugees and as to, be able, as to be able to stay. That night, it was just before Christmas, that night he had pulled out his cell phone and through the translator, had translated because his German still wasn't very good, and he said, Rod, I want you to come over here. I want to, I want to tell you something. I hadn't even told my wife this. He had translated and said, I want to become a Christian. So, amen, yes. So, we started Bible studies. He was ready. I mean, he, the Lord had worked. The first day, we just showed him Christ, and he came to know the Lord. He got baptized last summer, 
And we saw them also when we were in, in Heidelberg, Mannheim-Heidelberg uh, area last, in the last couple of months. And it's just a joy to let God use you in the life of somebody else to help them find Jesus. And that's what we've been able to do through your help for the last 37 years. And these are just events the last few years. Now, what you see here, the story's not done yet. This guy then, right, almost right away, he said, hey, I have a friend who's on vacation from Iran in Turkey, and there's a little bit more freedom there. Could we include him in our Bible studies? So what was happening was, here was an American talking through an Iranian translator using Bible server and Farsi, Persian, that's what you see there, through Skype to show him the scriptures as we were reading, sitting in Turkey somewhere. Now that guy hasn't gotten saved yet, but the Lord's not through with his story. Isn't that neat? And we would probably never had that idea before the COVID times. But through COVID, we've had all kinds of ideas through the internet to reach people all over the world. Wherever you're sitting, you can reach Turkey. You can reach Istanbul or wherever. Next slide, please. We were able to turn then the daughter church over in, in more than Mannheim to this couple uh, in actually October of 2020. And we just visited them and they just were able to see what God is doing there and we're thankful for them. Calvin and Beata fight. Next slide. The work goes on. These are some of the younger people over the years that have gone out into mission service through the churches in Mexico, Lithuania, Spain. This lady, Laura Wright, was Kazakhstan and Israel, and now she's back in Germany, wants to work with Muslim ladies. There are several ladies on, in the, on the way to um, missions, two ladies going through Wycliffe, one lady through Ethnos. 360, all of them going into Bible translation work, a young man who wants to become a Lutheran pastor who is a believer, and the work goes on. Next slide. We just want to thank you for being a part of that, for being a part of reaching people, not just in Mannheim, Heidelberg area, but all over the world through your giving. Keep it up. Keep going. Keep going. I think that's it. Next slide. Yeah. Where would you be willing to go? Maybe God has something for you that's not just right here. And don't ever feel sorry for a missionary who has to leave everything here. That was one of the most difficult decisions we ever, we ever made, but we have never regretted it. We have friends on this side and on that side of the ocean, and it's a joy to serve Jesus. Amen. Thank you. I think that's the last slide. I, in the moments that remain, I want to do a couple of things. I have prayer cards at the table in the back um, to pray for us as we continue to seek what God wants us to do now, but to pray for these churches that you've invested in the last 37 years. But I'd like to challenge you this morning. It, it was shared kind of in the, in the first part of the service. The Lord has blessed us so, but the danger is because we're selfish creatures, the blessings of the Lord can become a problem, if not a curse, because we tend to make the blessings more important than the blesser. We seek the hand of God more than God. We want comfort and pleasure and easiness. And but God says, Jesus said, I just read that also this morning, 
If you're not willing to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy. He took his cross and he did what he did for us. And I want to encourage you this morning to think about your life. We're going to be coming to the Lord's Supper, a time of self-examination. To think about your life, think about your priorities. What really makes you tick? Because we are so blessed, we have so much. But the danger is that maybe some of the things that are the most important to you are not the things that ought to be the most important to you. And I say the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. You can remember that, can't you? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And it's not sports. It's not food. It's not popularity. It's not your hobby. It's not events. It's not anything outdoors, activities. It's not whatever you want to put on your list. The main thing is to know and to serve and to live for God. And through Him we get fulfillment. Through Him we get our blessing. Through Him we get our peace. Through Him we get everything we need as human beings, even in the darkest and most dangerous and difficult times. He is faithful and he will be there. But the danger is we're selfish. We're lazy. And we tend to think about me. It's all about you. It's all about you. This book says, no, it's not all about you. It's about him. It's about God. It's about Jesus. And he wants to be the Lord of your life. And he has claimed to be the Lord. He's the Lord of lords, the King of kings. And the question is, have we really crowned him so? And do we live that way daily? And sometimes we live that way for a while, but then we get away from it. And the purpose of the church is to call us back. That's why it's so important to have the meeting and the fellowship of the believers to remind us, to call us home to God. And God ought to be the center of our life, the fountain of our life, the source of our life, our home base, our headquarters. And that is your relationship to the Lord is the most important thing in your life. How are you doing with your vertical relationship to God? How are you doing this morning? He wants to bless you with his presence. He wants to bless you with his truth. He wants to bless you as you follow him. And he says... In God's love letter to you through the Bible, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest for your soul. But he warns us. Proverbs 4, 23, keep your heart with all diligence. Watch your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And the heart is so easily deceived and led away. And we're, we're, we're living in a world that is not following God. And it's, we have to run against the flow and be willing to swim against the, the current and to, and to say, I want to stand up for my God. I thought about the verse in Revelation where the Lord said to the church there, I think it's Ephesus, I have this against you that you've, you've left your first love. He wants a love relationship to you. And if you love God, that's the start. And if you remember, turn with me in your Bible to, to Matthew chapter 22. Just, you know these verses and you probably have them by memory, but I just felt this morning as I was once again praying and reviewing the message to say, I think it's important to read it together. Matthew 22, verse 34 to 40.
When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, he was in a, an atmosphere of opposition very strongly. They gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. They really weren't interested in the answer. They were testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? The wisdom of Jesus shines through. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets. It's a heart thing to love God with all of your heart, your soul, and your mind. Not to turn your brain off, but to think. You can't just read this book like you read any other book. You've got to go slow. You've got to digest it. You've got to think about it. What is he saying to me? What do these words mean? To love God. And then if you do, to love your neighbor. Let's talk about him in that order just briefly. To love the Lord with all of your heart. Jesus said it in various ways in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He said in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, to be willing to say, Lord, it's about you and not about me. And that goes against the grain for all of us. Are we really willing to say, Lord, I want your will to be done. I will follow you. You show me your will and I will do it. Not show me your will and I'll think about it. Priorities. Priorities. The priority is, David said, this one thing I ask of God, and that is to seek you, to dwell in the house of the Lord and to get to know the majesty and the wonders of, of knowing you. And, and the first question when Jesus met Peter after, the, after his resurrection and he met him at the, at the Sea of Galilee, you remember at the end of the Gospel of John, the first question that Jesus asked Peter was what? Do you love me? Do you love? I think that's the most important question in the world. Do you love Jesus? And love needs to be visible. Love needs to be experienced and believable by those that are around us, not just talk. It's not impressive to my wife if I tell her I love her, but I'm never there to help her. I'm never there to understand her. I don't help her around the home. I don't try to protect her. I don't show her that she's valuable to me. It doesn't, words are cheap. And somehow or another, I don't think it's any different with God. He said of the Jewish people, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And God wants you, he wants all of you. Do you love God? Is that visible in your life? Are you listening to God? Do you spend time with God in your busy schedule? If you don't have time for God, you're too busy. Do, do you follow him? Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I know there are times for all of us when we read something, we hear something, and we struggle and we fight. And no, I don't want to. If it's from God's word, it says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Whatever it is he's talking to you about in your own life. Do you rejoice in your relationship to God? Is it a joy or is it a burden to have to get alone with God and try to read in the Scripture? There are days when it's not, you're not always up on the mountaintop, but just to be in the presence of God and to pour your heart out to God and to get to know God better. 
That's the focus of our lives. Do you, do you talk about him? We talk about the things that are important to us. Do you talk about him? And it's a battle. It's a struggle because the self is still there. Martin Luther said, my, my, my old nature, my old sinful nature, I tried to drown it, but the beast can swim. It keeps coming up every day. That's why Paul said, I die daily. Pastor, a friend of ours in Germany, very early in our days there, said, We need to go to our own funeral daily and die. And, folks, that's not easy, but it's worth it. It's worth it. If we die to self, look, look in, you, you can stay there if you want, but I guess you know the text. Go back to Matthew 10, verse 38. I mentioned it a moment ago. Matthew 10, verse 38 and 39. The one who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. In verse 39, Matthew 10, 39. The one who has found his life will lose it. The one who's in control of his life, the one who is the captain of his life will lose it. But the one who's lost his life on my account, for my sake, he will find it. Giving it to him is the way you find it. Do you seek the Lord? For you have as much of God as you want. For he has promised, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. What a promise. That the God of the universe has said, you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And if you love God, it's not just going to remain vertical. It's going to overflow horizontal. And you can't say, folks, now listen, you can't say everything is all right with God if everything is not all right with your fellow man, especially with those nearest to you and your family, your neighbors, your colleagues at work, wherever it might be, your friends at school, on the street. God is very practical. And he has said, John 13, 35, by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another, if we're characterized by being people of love. And today, in the time of COVID, it's easy to sit on the sidelines and criticize what they're doing. Ah, ah, ah. It's easy to just judge others and be critical of others and, and, and to say, well, I love God and I believe the Bible and well, I may go to church, but I have little love for the other people. That's not the way of following Jesus. Where is your heart? Perhaps that's also part of what Revelation 2, 4 means, where, Jesus, where, the, where the Lord Jesus, I think, speaks to the church and said, you've left your first love. I've always thought it meant vertically. Maybe it also means horizontally. You've left your first love. You don't love one another anymore. Everybody's doing their own little thing. It's all about me and my opinion and my, mine, mine. Folks, we're not making the main thing the main thing. And ch churches all over the country, all over the world, because I experienced it in Germany, are having problems. How do we respond to COVID? Vaccination, yes or no? Mass, yes or no? This rule, yes or no? Folks, that's not the main thing. And if that divides us, and if that splits us, and if that ruins my heart, and that ruins my attitude, we've got a wrong heart because it's about Jesus. And that's not going to be what he's going to ask you about when you meet him. The second is, second greatest commandment, 
love your neighbor as yourself. Then we've, we've kept the whole law and the prophets. And if we don't, God calls it hypocrisy. And he can't bless that kind of group. And love and faith are like muscles that grow by exercise. The more we exercise love, the more we exercise faith, it grows. And we don't grow by watching and by consuming and by criticizing. We grow by getting out there and letting our faith and our love be seen. That's the message of James to the New Testament church. You talk about your faith, yet let me see your faith by your works. Let me sh show me what you really are made of. Are you involved in somebody's life? And if you're, if you're going to really love your neighbor, you're going to be concerned about their eternity. Are you involved in somebody's life that's not a believer to help them find Jesus? Let me just close with kind of this illustration, uh, a parable of the Lord Jesus. You know it, but it's, it's great. It's powerful. The parable of the, what do you call it in English? Wait a minute. I've got it written down. <laughs> the prodigal son. That's what it's called. I'm sorry. It, <laughs> I used, there was a missionary when I was pastoring in, in Lynchburg. There was a missionary from France who stumbled over English, and I thought, ah, he's just putting on after you've been somewhere, you forget your own language, but that's okay. The prodigal son. I think the main character in the prodigal son story is not necessarily really the prodigal son. If you notice the environment and read it in, in, in Luke chapter 19, I think. No, chapter 15, I think. I don't know. It's in Luke's gospel. You find it. Um... It starts out, but the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were murmuring in the first couple of verses. And so then he tells this parable. And you know the story. The prodigal son goes off, spends all of his father's money. And by the way, the father didn't just have that money on a bank account and said, oh, okay, well, let me just give you the money then. He had to probably sell things and do something that was very, very drastic to give this boy the money. And he goes off and spends it and ruins it and, and wastes it. And then he comes back begging. You know the story. But he comes back with a repentant heart. Read it. And when he comes back, his father grabs him with his arms and says, kill the fatted calf, give him the ring, give him new sandals for his feet and a robe for... Let's have a party. So in the meantime, the older brother, here comes the main character. The older brother is out on the field. He'd been working for his dad. Working. He comes back and he hears music. So he asks, what's going on? Your brother has come home. The one that has lost, he's come home, and your father's having a party. He wasn't happy about that. So his father came out to him and said the same thing. Your brother has come home, the one who has lost. And he conducts a little ceremony here and says, listen, I've been working for you all these years, and you never did that, anything like that for me. You never killed the fattened calf for me. You never appreciated me. It's all about me, me, me. And the father just talks. And as far as we know, when the parable ends, where is the older son? Hmm? He's outside. Does he come in to rejoice, to be a part of the party and rejoicing? As far as we know, he doesn't. He was working, but he didn't understand the heart of his father 
who was probably sitting there every day on his porch waiting for the, older, for the younger son to come home. And maybe today, maybe today, maybe today, and he sees him coming, and he runs to him when he sees him. And that was something the, the patriarch of the family didn't usually do. He would have to pull up his robe and run to him to greet him and to welcome him. He was so glad that he was back. And then that's a picture of, of God's welcoming the sinner. But the problem is, a lot of us are like the older, older brother who are sitting outside judging and criticizing and can't rejoice because we don't know the heart of our Father. So if you love God, that's where it starts. To spend time with God. It'll flow over to love your neighbor as yourself. And I just want to encourage you Romans 12, 1 and 2. Because of the mercies of God, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your heart and mind that you may prove what is the perfect, acceptable will of God. So let me encourage you to examine yourself this morning, to pray as David did, which I try to pray every day. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. There is an everlasting way. Let's go that way every day with all I've got. Let's pray together. Father, we do pray that we might be found faithful and might have a heart for you and have a heart that loves you and that love overflows to the world around us. Thank you for this church and their testimony and their faithfulness to us and to you over these years and may they grow in that May the light of Jesus shine through them in a lost world where there's more and more folks that, are, that have no hope, that wonder where it's all going to go, wonder what's going to happen next. We don't know necessarily what's going to happen immediately next, but we know what's going to happen in the end. And Lord, may we be faithful to you and love you. And if there's someone here this morning, maybe even, that hasn't yet come to that point of saying, God, here am I. Forgive me. Come into my life. Save me that I might be on the way to heaven, to eternal life, to living for God, to making my life count for something. Speak to that heart this morning, we pray, that we may be glad we've done what we've done when we meet you one day. In Jesus' name. Amen.